spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ditch the clowns on the left and the jokers on the right and join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle. This is the Smirconish podcast for independent minds. Hey, gang, I have not spoken to Mark Halpern of Wide World of News fame since last Wednesday's Republican debate, nor the processing of former President Trump last Thursday in Atlanta, Georgia. So for those reasons and more, it is great to have him here today. Hey, Mark, thanks for being back. Michael, good to be here during this momentous news period. Before I talk about today's wide world of news, I want to get up to speed and talk a little bit about yesterday. I thought yesterday was a particularly great uh, issue insofar as there was not a fake Ron Klain memo, but there was a fake Ron Klain Zoom call. And like you had all the usual suspects involved in this call. You had Ron Klain, you had Jen Psaki, uh, you had Mike Donilon, you had Josh Shapiro, you had uh, Judge Chutkin, Stuart Stevens, Merrick Garland. There was a particular line that jumped out at me. I thought it was hysterical. It was Laurie, Larry Tribe, Lawrence Tribe from Harvard, who begins his participation by saying, it's an honor for all of you to be on this call with me today. And then he goes on and he makes his point. And I said to myself, and I think I sent you a note, I hope the brilliance of what you write is not lost on others. <laughs> You're very kind. Uh, you know, that's a device I haven't used exactly like that before. But the point is to try in an entertaining way in the newsletter to give people insight into my reporting and my analysis. And in this case, I was trying to capture the view of Red America about what's going on with uh, the Trump indictments and some of the other stuff uh, where the suspicion is that it's all being orchestrated as part of a conspiracy to produce a Biden reelection. Uh, and some of the issues which you and I have discussed, like wh- why, why do these judges think it's in the public interest to have a trial before election day? I understand that they assert that, but don't really explain why that is. And that arouses a lot of suspicion in red America. There were nuggets of information, not only a couple of laughs along the way and things that make you think, but there were nuggets like the Atlanta Journal-Constitution poll, brand new as of the time that you published it, Donald Trump at 57 percent of the vote. Can we just stop there for a moment? Georgia is the eye of the storm. No disrespect to the folks in Florida who are in the path of Idalia today. But with all the coverage, all the reporting, all of the, the Fonnie Willis news, and yet in the AJC report, it's Trump at 57, DeSantis at 15, undecided at 14. I think that's worthy of some discussion. Yeah, I mean, 
as those who believe the indictments will hurt Donald Trump's chances of, of winning the nomination and, and the general election, wait for data to back that up. Uh, they're still waiting. Georgia is, is Trump's worst state in many ways, uh, including within his own party. Of course, he's got a governor, Governor Kemp there, who's who's pretty, um, you know, critical of Donald Trump, whose own approval rating in that same poll was 80 percent. And yet you see Trump standing in Georgia amongst Republicans who believe the indictment's political and and who who would vote for him uh, to be the nominee is very high. I, I don't think anybody thought that that his 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 uh, floor was nearly as high as that poll suggested it. And again, perhaps Donald Trump, events will unfold in a way that Donald Trump will be damaged by his legal peril uh, in terms of the nomination. And Republicans say, well, are our voters really going to nominate someone who's going to be under indictment, maybe in, in prison by the general election? And the answer, according to that Georgia poll, and pretty much every other piece of data we've we've seen so far, is yeah, that's how Republicans feel like they're going to vote because they feel like voting for anybody but Trump is allowing the deep state, the Democrats, and the media to win. Uh, for those Democrats who who want Donald Trump to be the nominee because they think he'd be easy to beat, um, they they seem to be getting their way. But the data also suggests that Trump, if it's Trump versus Biden. It's not a layup for Joe Biden. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Superlight Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. 
Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. And Mark, something else embedded yesterday, the Nate Cohn analysis from the New York Times pointing out that if the Tanya Chutkin case, if the federal intervention case, not the Mar-a-Lago case as among the two federal cases, if it really should go on or about March 4, it would mean that two thirds of GOP delegates would be selected during the course of that trial, if the trial runs the course or the length that people anticipate. That's pretty stunning. How would that play? We really don't know. Well, there's another New York Times story today that I have in the newsletter that is kind of the add-on to that. Uh, that story, the Nate Cohen analysis. Look, uh, it's an unusual cycle, so we can't assume that the old rules pervade. Um, in terms of the political calendar, at this point, Donald Trump is on a trajectory to win Iowa and New Hampshire by sufficient margins that, that under the normal rules of nomination dynamics, he'd be the de facto nominee. Nobody wins Iowa and New Hampshire convincingly and then has to win anything else because they're the de facto nominee. That's just the nature of the beast. And that's, that's what Trump's on track to do. Now, maybe this, this cycle will be different in voters in the subsequent states that Trump does win those two will adopt a different posture as they see the legal cases coming into focus. I will pause to parenthetically say, as I do pretty much every week, I'm not here rooting for Donald Trump. I'm not here predicting Donald Trump will be the nominee. I'm here to offer my reporting and analysis about where things stand. The legal calendar, I think reporting is kind of lazy and and, uh, uh, excitable and says this is the trial date. In a normal case, sometimes trial dates hold and sometimes they don't, there's some possibility that Trump can find a way to go to the Supreme Court and say and test this proposition where he disagrees with Judge Shenton. Judge Shenton's view is Trump's like any other defendant. He's got a big job, but if he were a pro athlete, I wouldn't change the schedule for the, you know, for the league schedule, like the trial schedule for the league schedule. And I'm not going to change it at all. And Trump's posture is I'm running for president of the United States. You're trying to put me on trial in the midst of a presidential campaign where I'm the front runner. Uh, the, the Supreme Court should step in here. They might, but even if they don't, the court date may slip. And the point is, and again, the time story today says, well, maybe, maybe they can't stop Trump from winning all the delegates, but they can stop him at the convention because the convention delegates can pick someone else. This is, this is going to be another thing like trying to keep him off the ballot. Uh, you, you, you know, the people who want to stop Donald Trump in all likelihood are going to have to stop him in the primaries and caucuses if they don't want him to be the nominee or stop him in the general election if they don't want him to be president. But all these other theorizing about about it is is silly because the most unexplored question to me in American politics today is what happens if Donald Trump wins Iowa and New Hampshire? What does Mitch McConnell say? What do all the donors say? What do the other candidates say? Do they say we're taking our marbles and going home. We don't care about the presidency. Let Joe Biden win. Where do they say, well, the Republican voters have spoken and we're rallying around our nominee, even though he's about to sit in, in you know, criminal trials, uh, you know, for, for the for the most of the spring and into the summer. I still think there's this question of when these trials start. 
And will they let these criminal trials go into July, August, September, into the general election if Trump is the de facto or actual nominee? I don't think we know the answer to that. But what we do know is the trial dates as they're currently constituted, and they're not going sooner, I don't think Georgia's going to go sooner, means if you don't stop Trump from winning those first two, three, four states, he's going to be the de facto nominee, and the Republican Party's going to have to deal with the implications of that. And to your point, you've got that Times piece that quote quotes Ben Ginsburg as follows. Ben Ginsburg, who for decades was among the Republican Party's top election lawyers before breaking with the party over Trump in 2020, said no amount of delegate machinations would be likely to stop a Trump nomination should he win enough early nominating contests. Quote, if he wins Iowa and New Hampshire, Mr. Ginsburg said, I think it's all over anyway. Uh, I want to ask about Nikki Haley in particular. I thought it was interesting that you called out the fact that maybe she's at 10 percent now in Iowa and or New Hampshire. Tony Fabrizio, the longtime Trump pollster, wants people to regard that as as a uh, a surge. Uh, I guess that's really what to toy with Ron DeSantis. Yeah, the the, the Trump people want to they still view DeSantis as the only viable threat because he's got a super PAC with $100 million. And if he somehow found a way to beat him in Iowa, that, that, that's the single biggest threat to Trump's nomination now, more than any of the legal cases, is DeSantis winning Iowa. And so they're constantly wanting to diminish him. And the best way to diminish him is to say what, what is factually true, which is the trend line is putting him closer to being in third place in polling nationally and in the key states than to getting anywhere close to Trump. At this point, it's not even an issue, right? Trump's 30, 40 points ahead in, in polling over DeSantis. But DeSantis is now, whether it's whether it's Ramaswamy, whether it's um, Christie in New Hampshire, whether it's uh, Mickey Haley now, uh, he's in danger of being in third or potentially in fourth place in some polling. And obviously, from a momentum point of view, from a donor point of view, from a uh, perception of, of it's trying to create the perception it's a two-person race, if DeSantis is consistently in the fall in third or fourth, you know, that explodes his myth. And, and that the Trump people don't, at this point, they're not concerned that any of the other people are, are a threat to him to actually beat him for the nomination. So they're all for cheerleading Nikki Haley now. Now, if she got to 20, they'd, they'd start attacking her. But for now, uh, they, they, they love the notion of saying she's passing DeSantis. And she might. And finally, Mark, let's switch our attention to the president. I guess to the extent there 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 is going to be or has been a family gathering where President Biden and the first lady and others make a decision as to whether he's really in. Perhaps it has just taken place in Utah. What do you think? Well, as you and I have discussed, I know people, talk to people close to Joe Biden who have told me for months he's not going to run and he just needs to find the right sort of sequencing to, to not make the race. I'm not predicting he won't run, but as I told you many times, my gut is he will not be the Democratic nominee one way or the other. There's been a surge in chatter, and not baseless chatter, but people of standing in the last couple of days saying that he's made the decision that he, he just can't do it. And, and he's going to have to find a way to uh, withdraw uh, his previous, previous announcement. Now, there's no indication of that. They just opened a campaign headquarters in Delaware. Uh, they're hiring people. Uh, you know, they're raising money. Uh, and yet the chatter's been pretty intense in the last couple of days in my neck of the woods. And some people say that 
the family vacation in Utah was all about that. I don't know that for sure. And I get waved off of that by people who are actually, you know, involved with the campaign on a regular basis. But I'm here to tell you that serious people with serious connections to Joe Biden now believe that he will not run and they're, and that he's trying to figure out how to create a contested and, and, um, and productive fight for the Democratic nomination that doesn't involve just a coronation of Vice President Harris, which many people around Joe Biden believe would be a disaster for the party. Right. Well, it would seem to me that in Kamala Harris's best interest, if that if that ended up being the case, that he's not going to go, what's in her best interest, I would think, is that the later he would say so, the better, because the more cemented in she would be, right? A hundred percent. Every day that passes, assuming we get to the point where he's not running, either either by his choice or, or by fate, um, every day that passes makes her more likely. I think, I think he, Joe Biden would be under incredible pressure to endorse her. You look at the groups that are the mainstays of the Democratic Party, the environmental groups, the pro-choice groups, the labor groups, uh, other groups, interest groups that are part of the Democratic coalition, they've all endorsed the ticket. And would those groups, given their progressive leanings, say, well, we endorsed Biden-Harris, but now we're not going to endorse Harris? I think it'd be very tough. I think she would put a lot of pressure on those groups. And so uh, who steps up to challenge her? Again, the later it gets, the harder it is. One issue that's, I think, quite interesting that I was uh, talking to some folks about this week is when you go to the, the primary in Pennsylvania, the primary in New Hampshire, to vote, you're voting for Joe Biden. You're not voting for the Biden-Harris ticket. Right. So until he picks her as his running mate again uh, at the convention, she's not on the ballot. And so she's not getting any delegates. But what would happen to his delegates if if the change took place, you know, after the primaries and caucus had started? And what about other people getting on the ballot? Because at this point, let's say he drops out. Can she get on the ballot to run? Uh, Can can Gavin Newsom, can Governor Shapiro? The deadlines are coming up in a couple of months in, in some of the earlier states. And so there's a lot of messiness here about primaries and caucuses if Joe Biden's not there. And then about what happens if, if there needs to be a change or there is a change after the primaries and caucuses have started or between when they conclude in the convention. All very messy. But but again, to go to your point, absolutely correct. Every literally every day that passes, uh, if that change is going to happen. Uh, it makes her stronger uh, for the nomination. And, and I think I think as much as I am skeptical that she would be the nominee under almost any circumstances, I, I do think people underestimate the rallying around her that would come from the interest groups, the elected officials, and, and I think probably the president himself, that would be pretty formidable. At the same time, the organizing principle of the party now, the reason why there's support for Joe Biden, despite the polls saying a lot of Democrats don't want him to run, is their, their whole organizing principle is who can stop Trump. If they believe Joe Biden can. There's a lot of skepticism that she, Vice President Harris, could, and that's that would create a very severe tension within all these groups that I'm talking about who would pick her, uh, potentially endorse her. There'd be a lot of concern about whether she, she would lose to, to Donald Trump or some other Republican. Mark, a quick final thought, because I, I thought yeah. I heard you say a moment ago that his that the president's objective would be to foster competition. If if, in fact, he wants to foster competition and not just hand it to her, he's got a built in mm-hmm. precedent with the way Barack Obama treated him. No. Well, it's a built in precedent that that he bristles at. He, he feels he was horribly treated, not by Barack Obama, both in 2016 when Barack Obama 
uh, you know, basically forced him not to run and, and, and said it's Hillary Clinton's time turn. And then in 2020, where he didn't endorse him early, I think Joe Biden feels you, you can see this in his treatment, how he feels. You can see in the way he's treated Vice President Harris, including in meetings, having her meet with all these world leaders around uh, around uh, both at home and abroad, um, having the meetings. Uh, he's treated her very well. As a, I know from reporting, as an outgrowth of his taking umbrage is the way he was treated. I think part of what was going on in his world now, as people ponder the prospect of his not running, is 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 the is the twin realities. I believe he and his people don't think she's up to either winning a general election or governing successfully. I think that's their posture. It's best to say try to position her otherwise. And at the same time, I think he would feel a personal and professional obligation to say, I said this person was the most qualified person in the country to be my number two. And I, I, I was treated so shabbily by Barack Obama and his people. How could I not endorse her? And I think to the extent he is considering not running, solving that puzzle is a big issue. Because while they, they're skeptical she'd win the nomination, his, his political advisors are skeptical she'd win the nomination, if there were an open battle for the for the for the for the, for the prize, it's not impossible she would win it. And part of Joe Biden's the reason he ran in 2020, the reason why he's running again, is he feels an obligation to protect the country from Donald Trump. And if that's if that's your orientation, as it very much is for him, and you believe that if you don't run, there's some chance your party will nominate Kamala Harris and that she'll lose to Donald Trump. When people talk about his legacy, you know, a lot of his friends say to me. What would be great for his legacy would be to be a one-term president. Pocket the things he's accomplished, show he can walk off the stage when when it's clear yep. that's what a lot of yep. voters want. I get it. But if but 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 if his legacy is is is, is but he hands Kamala it back. to become the nominee, right? You know, he 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 stopped he stopped Donald Trump and then he gave he gave Donald Trump the White House right back. So it's complicated it stuff. Sure is. Complicated <laughs> stuff. Uh, thanks for a great report. There's a lot to unpack there, and I'm very appreciative. I apologize for the long answer. Not at all. It was a worthy I a lot, answer. I had a lot to say. It, ne- it needed Thank all you, of it. Thanks, Mark. Mark Halper in the wide world of news. Week. He's here every Wednesday in the second hour. And a light bulb just went off in my head for a future poll question, maybe as soon as tomorrow. If Joe Biden does not run, will he endorse Kamala Harris? Or will he sit it out the way that Barack Obama did for him in 2016 and 2020? How about we use that as a starting point for our follow-up to Mark Halpern, although there's a tremendous amount there to unpack. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. 
Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. I'm scratching my noggin during that very brief intermission. My recollection is as follows that. Bo Biden had just passed. This is 2016. Joe was coping with the uh, the passing of his son, emotionally devastated as a result of it. Yes, he was the vice president to Barack Obama. Hillary Clinton had been the secretary of state to Barack Obama. I don't remember exactly uh, when she left office. And there were reports, and I guess this is what Mark Halpern was just referring to, that for whatever reason, Obama was discouraging of Joe getting into that battle, maybe because he he feared for his emotional well-being, you know, grieving the loss of his son. I don't know. But he certainly didn't come out and say, Joe, you need to run and then push Biden into the race. That I know didn't happen. And we know what the outcome was of 2016. So now it's 2020 and the former vice president gets into the race. You had the Iowa caucus, which was. Uh, a horse race between Bernie and Mayor Pete. I, I don't even remember. I think like one of them had a higher vote and one of them had more delegates or some such thing, but it really didn't matter. It was the two of them. And of course, the story was Pete because, you know, many had never even heard of him before. And then they roll into New Hampshire and New Hampshire was a Bernie victory in the New Hampshire primary. Then came the Nevada caucus and it was again a Bernie. I think it was a caucus, not a primary. I think it was a caucus. But I do know this. I know that Joe Biden was getting shut out until the South Carolina primary when Jim Clyburn embraced him and he won. And that would have been late in February or early in March. And still, and it was it was with, oh, actually, it was before Super Tuesday. So it was probably late in February. And and this was when now candidates were getting out of the race. There was concern, I think, among some in the Democratic intelligentsia that Bernie couldn't win a general. And that they needed to coalesce around Biden because he had this impressive win in South Carolina. This much I remember through all of these events. Barack Obama kept his powder dry and did not embrace his vice president which just kind of frames this. I'm pretty confident of what I just said here. I may have gotten some of it wrong, but I know that Obama did nothing for Biden. And, And then finally, when Biden had it cemented, now Obama released a video and embraced him and and the rest was history. 
So to Mark's point, does Joe Biden bristle from that cold shoulder and say, you know, no way I'm, I'm going to do that to my VP? Or does he say if he's not running, I don't know if my VP could could take him on and beat him. And then what's my legacy? Yeah, I'm the guy who took out Donald Trump, but I'm also the guy who stepped aside and allowed him to come back. Dave, you're in Vegas. Good for you. What did you want to say from Nevada? Well, I, th- I think your memory is correct. I'm an independent, but I will say, I think Joe has no choice but to put Harris recommend or he needs to get out. You know what I mean? Because then give another somebody else another chance. He can't go the full length and say, and not support her. I think that would be a big mistake. But the problem is, I don't think Harris can win. I just don't. From people I've talked to from both sides, and that's the truth. Okay, Just so like if, if Joe Biden, if I don't Joe, think Harris can win it. Okay, if Joe Biden is of that opinion, that he doesn't think Kamala Harris can win it, for whatever reason, now what does he do? See, oh, he's got to be... One more time, I missed you. Okay, I say if... I'm going to just say thank you and cut you loose anyway. If Biden believes that Harris can't win, then what does Joe do? And and if he needs to foster competition and let the chips fall where they may, you know, let, let Gavin Newsom and Amy Klobuchar and everybody else duke it out, then I'm telling you the clock is ticking. What I really need to do is I need to go look at the filing deadlines of these states and see when it would be necessary if you want to compete in Iowa, if you want to compete in New Hampshire, if you want to compete in South Carolina. Actually, Actually, I should have said South Carolina first because, wait a minute, we're talking about the D's here. South Carolina is first. Just call Newsom's office. I bet they know. Oh, I'm sure they have it on a <laughs> flow chart. It's a great point, TC. I'm, I'm sure they have it a flow chart on their wall right. tracking each and every one of these things. Yeah. Gang, here we go. It's a lightning round. You know the issue. It's Biden and Harris. And what if he doesn't go? Tim, you're in Boston. What did you most want to say? Well, first of all, thanks for taking my call. Um, I think... Mark Halpern's section is one of the reasons I listen. I mean, you're great, but one of the reasons I listen is because of the guests you have. And I think the insight that he just gave was something, frankly, I've been sitting back waiting for someone to say something that one of the people that's in the, in the political sphere is going to become an adult and do the right thing for the country and not just themselves. If he could actually step aside, um, create a space where I'm not going to nominate or, or dub uh, – Harris to be the, 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 the person, let everybody else duke it out and figure it out, because then it'll turn into anybody but Trump. But it's got to happen sooner than later, because the yeah, longer it, it, needs if, to happen, I, it needs to happen. Totally agree. It has to happen yeah, yesterday. I mean, if 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 because, if you if you can take Biden at his word that he really is running and so forth, then then OK, then he hangs in. Uh, but if he's not, and if he knows that he's not, because they made a decision in Utah or he's come to that decision previously, whatever, then he has to look at the calendar and say, wait a minute, with South Carolina coming quickly, I need to give others the opportunity to compete. Otherwise, by default, it goes to Kamala Harris. Correct. And it, I think that if it, the other thing is there are women already in the ranks, in the governor's ranks, that are somewhat known but to your point if if he doesn't give them enough time they're never going to get traction right yeah no doubt we we see it the same way thank you tim i appreciate it very much this is larry larry you're in fort lauderdale you most wanted to say what 
Hey, good morning, Michael. Thanks for taking the call. Love you as usual. Um, well, I just my question in regards to Biden and Harris uh, kind of has oddly enough to do with all these angry white guys calling in about masks. But um, like, I, I think we just picked a reason to not like Kamala. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I'm pretty sure race and misogyny has a lot to do with that dislike. Because if Condoleezza Rice was running as a Republican, they would find a reason for all her qualifications to be unqualified as well. I think it's just silly that we've chosen that Kamala's not qualified for personal reasons. It's like the tan suit thing. Right. Well, let me let me think about this for a moment. Is misogyny playing a role? Is racism playing a role in some people's perception of Kamala Harris? I think that it probably is. However... I have to remind you that she dropped out of the Democratic primary process without a single vote being cast. So was it racism and misogyny that didn't let her get out of the gate when she ran in 2020? Well, no, I think some people realize that, hey, you know, being a backup quarterback is pretty solid for my career. Right. So timing has a lot to do with it. I mean, you know, shoot, I live down here in South Florida. You think Rubio or whatever his name, Suarez, knew he had a chance to run for president? He already dropped out. He's just doing it to get his name but, recognized. But Larry, I think Larry, strategic. Larry, I think you could also kind of step back and say, whatever the reason might be, she doesn't poll well. She hasn't distinguished herself as VP. Uh, and doesn't look like she's the strongest that we have to go after either Trump or whomever the Republican would be. So maybe we're waving a white flag to misogyny and racism, but would we rather hang in there with a candidate who, for whatever reason, just can't win? Or would we be better served moving on and trying to have some competition and determine who it would be? Hi, Sydney. You wanted to say what from Fort Worth? Okay, I wanted to say that Biden will support Kamala Harris because of the African-American community. So if he were not to run, you think he'd make it clear from the get-go, I'm throwing my lot in with Kamala? Yeah, but uh, but I think in the background he would say, y'all run if you want to. I don't I don't know. Well, maybe. Maybe he would. Maybe well, he would. He's going to upset the African-American community if he doesn't support her. I mean, it's got to be one. It's got to be a consideration. It it certainly has to be a consideration of of you know his legacy. But on the other hand, to Mark's point, does he want to be the individual who not only got rid of Trump but then enabled his return? Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel One Twenty Four live weekdays from nine a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. 
Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.